Don't be a holy smiling, she live it, she got it. Doing crystal method if you up until you break. That's right. Today's podcast is brought to you by Sand Jam Festival and Third Eye Blind. Um, <laughs> and Third Eye Blind? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> who will be the headliner at Sand Jam Festival. Uh, let's see. I've been roaming around, I was looking down. Uh, is that Kings of Leon? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to do one? No, hit me another one. Uh, let's, let's see. see. If I can guess who it. do I want? Uh, well, we got to go now. Sat back and dot in the daylight, and pick it up with the daylight, and pick it up with the daylight. Is that Matt and Kim? <laughs> <laughs> God, I people, like this game. People probably hate this. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Now hang me out to dry. Oh, Cold War. Yeah. Cold War Kids. Third Eye Blind. Young the Giant. Let's see. Uh, Wish I knew you when I was young. Not Could've it. got so high. The revivalist. Oh, revival. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, when is that? It's uh, April twenty sixth, twenty seventh, and twenty eighth, two thousand nineteen. San Jam Festival in Panama City Beach, which also happens to be the sponsor of this episode of the Whatever it Means to You podcast. You can check them out at sandjamfest.com to get your tickets. We are very excited to be seeing all these acts. Cold War Kids, Blackberry Smoke, Anderson East, Third Eye Blind, Dirty Heads, Young the Giant, The Revivalist, Matt and Kim. Who else, man? Uh, Yay Sayer, my, one of my personal favorites that I'm most excited about. Uh, a future guest on this show, Kirsty Lovelady, will be performing there as well. And Wimty Veterans Heritage. Get your tickets at sandjamfest.com, April 26th through 28th in Panama City Beach. Not only is this going to be an awesome festival to go to, but it's also really special uh, that Panama City Beach can still have this happening with all the devastation that happened with the hurricane. I think it's very important that this still, uh, you know, is happening and is supported in the community as well. So, yeah, Sand Jam Fest 2019. Get yourself some tickets. Come have a good time with us because we're going to be there too. Uh, my guest today is Mr. L.A. from originally from Detroit, but uh, but from here now, uh, you can check him out on his website kingdomovercastles.com. Had a pretty compelling story to tell, and we are glad to have him in here. So please give it up for our guest, L.A. From Boat Studios in Destin, Florida, it's the Whatever It Means to You podcast. It's something that most people don't like at first. With Jared Gramblin. I love my job, but I hate talking to people like you. And Shane Denton. White people, yay! We got a good one for you today! All right, live in the WibT studios here at Boat. My guest today is Mr. L.A. L.A., what's your real name, man? What's up? It's Andre. So, Andre. Yep, Andre Hero. L.A. stands for Little Andre. Okay. That, yeah. So, Big Andre is who? My dad. Okay. That, yeah, I, that's that's that makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we, well, <clears throat> first of all, thanks for coming in. Uh, my, my friend Allison kind of put us in contact. Yeah, thanks for having and, me. Yeah, absolutely. And ve- let me know very little bit about your story. But that you know, that's what we do on this podcast is is people who have authentic stories. We want to provide a a platform to to elevate them and their stories. So let's just get right into it, man. Right. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to be doing what you're doing right now. Okay, so born and raised Detroit, Michigan. Um, my family and I. Are you from Detroit? Yeah, you, you see. Above the oh, snap. The guitar, okay, yeah, and then uh, right there, 
Yeah, hey, there you go. It's unfortunate. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's, you can turn it to the side a little bit, and then, yeah, <laughs> as the season progresses, maybe. Um, but, yes, Detroit, born and raised. Uh, we moved here. I was oof, probably 16 at the time. I, I always get that age mm-hmm. mixed up. But um, grew up in the arts, um, grew up playing drums and stuff at church or whatnot and just around the city. Um, and, yeah, I've always been, like, an artistic type of person. It took me a while to actually uh surrender to that you know i tried to or I, I went to school at first for medicine to be a doctor i was pre-medical and then um i'm one of those people that never really had to find my purpose i just had to surrender to it so mm-hmm. that's where i am that's who i am now okay yeah. and what's that so right now i'm writing i'm a writer okay. um i started blogging about two years ago under a platform growth 101 that i started and then um, it was just like a test to see if if I had what it took to be a blogger. And when people started responding to it, I was like, okay, I can actually do this. And so I stopped and basically rebranded. And now we have Kingdom Over Castles, which uh, you know I blog off of right now. And that's the, the whole movement that I'm starting with the arts and whatnot. And I like it because it's a platform for me to speak my truth. Um, I'm, I'm not one to allow too many people to speak bef- you know, for me before I kind of feel like I have to speak for myself or whatnot, and I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So right now we are, um, oh, I'm sorry, right now, you know, I publish articles. Uh, I don't really have a time limit. I kind of do it when I'm inspired to write, and we're working on our first production, which is a systole, which will be April 20th, so I'm super excited and nervous about that as well because, you know, as an artist, we're, we're very sensitive about mm-hmm. our work. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I just had that conversation with with someone else because I do a little bit of writing too, and it's it's a vulnerable thing because uh, you're putting out a piece of you, and uh, it's 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 different because uh, just the process, like whether you're creating something when you're writing it. There's several times where you're like, this is great. And then there's several times when you're like, this is trash. This is yes. garbage. Yes. Like, why would anyone want to read this? Why, yes. You know, it's part of the process of it. Yes. So to where by the time, a lot of times, by the time your final product is out, you really don't feel one way about it or the other just because you've been through so many highs and lows on it the whole time that you mm-hmm. felt everything there is to be felt into that project. Yeah. So that's crazy. But then there's so much happening on 420. Like the last uh, two episodes ago, we had Oblique and um, Meech from The Strangers in here. And their single's coming out the day before your production on oh, April wow. 19th. So your production's coming out on 420. And then our next guest... Uh, a couple down from here, Kirsty Lovelady is dropping her signal on 419. So I guess April's a super creative month for it, people. It is. It's funny because I didn't even realize that we were doing this. I mean, I picked the date, but I didn't realize yeah. it was actually 420. Yeah. And I asked somebody, like, what are you doing April 20th? And they thought I was trying to be funny. And I'm like, yeah, getting high. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay. I wasn't really trying to go there, but you should come, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. to see it. So, yeah. yeah well, tell me cool. a little bit about it. So um, the cool thing about this is it's something that I actually lived. I always write from experience. And so what we're doing is, you know, we have the Easter message about Jesus rising and it comes out of Matthew. And um, I, I, I didn't want to just tell the story. I wanted to figure out how can we relate it to people, even though we know that the Bible relates to everybody. I wanted to cater to the person who doesn't really come to church or doesn't really read the Bible. I wanted to shed light to their situation and show how this resurrection can can um, 
or basically make the resurrection make sense to an average person who doesn't read the Bible. So what we're doing is we're asking the question, you know, what do you do when the heartbeat of something that you love flatlines? And it's very personal to me because it's something that I lived. There was a time where I went through a depression and there was a time where it felt like, you know, like dreams and goals that I had wasn't going to happen. And um, after getting through that and, and reading, I was like, okay, I've got to do something with this experience. And I don't want to tell my story per se and make it about me because sometimes if we tell just our story, people automatically lock out and they're like, oh, I don't, I don't identify with that. This is about you. So, um, we have a great team of people. Um, it's very, you know, I, I didn't want to start it really big. So there's not a lot of lines in there. There's a narrator and the actors are acting out what's being said. And that's why I called them illustrated sermons. And that's something that I've adopted from my former pastor in Detroit growing up, Bishop Ellis. I like to call him that because plays are for entertainment. And entertainment is cool, but with an illustrated sermon, my goal is to get you the message. I'm not necessarily aiming to entertain you. There might be entertaining moments, but the end goal is always, obviously, to bring people to Christ or to to shed light and to show people or or teach people a, a lesson. So mm-hmm. that's where it comes from. Yeah. <clears throat> so is it a, is it a musical? Have you written music to it? Is it a? No. Are there several scenes. There, there are different scenes, and, and it, it's one of those productions that keeps you at the edge of your seat. I mean, we're hitting people where you didn't see us coming. Um, there is no music for this first one. Now, when we progress in the fall, there will be original music and, and original lines and all of this stuff. But right now, we're starting very light. Mm-hmm. I wanted to introduce the platform to people. Um, I was sitting down, and I was talking to uh, my friend Austin, who's stage managing this, and I said, you know, I didn't want to throw people a script of, because a normal script is about 60, 70 pages. I didn't want to give that to someone who had never acted before. I wanted to give them something light to get their feet wet, and uh, so this one is, it's it's really simple, but it is very effective. Okay, yeah. yep. And where can people go, uh, go see it? Yes, we will be at Gateway City Church um, on Racetrack Road. The address is 428 uh, Racetrack Road North. East mm-hmm. and it starts at 6 p.m. Uh, thankfully for Pastor Jonathan Sanson, Sansom, oh, he's gonna kill me. Pastor Jay, let's just do that. <laughs> <laughs> I never say his last name. So, thankfully, Pastor Jay, who has allowed us to come in and kind of take over that service for the message portion, and um, I, I really think that people should come out. It's gonna be, yeah. Great. How old are you? 24. Okay, yeah, all right. I got a vibe, I got a vibe that you were a lot younger than I am, yeah, 24. Yeah, yeah, right on. Because <laughs> when you were saying, uh, uh, when you were saying, you know, you already went through a point to where you thought a lot of the stuff that you had, you know, dreamed had never come true. Like it, it, it that happened to me when I was like 30. <laughs> yeah. it, it is something, honestly, I think that it is uh, uh, something obviously that we all face. But who's to say that we face it one time, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, that could happen again. But when you're young, a, a lot younger, sometimes it does feel like you're running out of time. Mm-hmm. And I have to constantly remind myself, like, it's OK, slow down. You're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. You know, but. But there was a dark period in my life where it felt like that for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I like the. Um, you know what? It, what it intrigued me at first, and really knowing nothing about you, when Allison sent me over a lot of your information, uh, just the whole concept of kingdom over castles. I think just the, just those three words speak so much. Yeah, and right. is uh, almost counterintuitive to how Americans, especially in today's climate, especially in a political climate that we're dealing with it's it's not how it's how things should be but it's not how things are right and the reason i love that because um the the whole goal for it um i never want to 
build like an arts ministry in one church and then just people come and then they see it and, and if they don't go there they can't participate in it. I mean I'm an artist I'm a musician I like acting I like all that stuff and one of the things I think that we all can agree on as artists is that it can be frustrating to see great work or great projects and not be able to be a part of it and so I wanted to cancel that castle mentality and say, like, you know, you go to church, you, you're a Christian, you're not a Christian, whatever. Let's tear down these walls of separation. Let's forget about our political stance, our race, our economical situation. And let's just come together and build something great. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it does. And it, it's really cool. Yeah. Because honestly, we're better together than we are apart. Like, even in this process, I can write a script all I want or I can come up with an idea all I want, but it's not until the team gets involved that it really takes life. Like, just in this short process, people that have come on to whether they were building props or 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 even acting, they've like, hey, L.A., have you thought about it this way? Have you tried it this way? And I'm open to that because now it's great. Now we all have our hands on it and it's it's progressing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How how much different uh you, you came from Detroit to here, right? Yes. Like no spaces in between. No spaces. How much different is the landscape? Night and day. Yeah. <laughs> Night and day from landscape to culture to the way people dress to yeah. mannerism. It's it's so different. It's yeah. night and day different. What what was your first take? And um, why'd you choose here? I didn't choose it. My parents did. I had no okay. choice. All right. <laughs> um Let's see. When I first got here, obviously from Detroit or anywhere up north where it's cold, you hear Florida, you think vacation, beach, you're going to go to the beach every day. So that's what I thought. And then, um, you know, spending some time here, it took me a while to get used to how slow it is here. Like just everybody has this laid back vibe. And then up north, everybody's like, we got to get it. We got to go now, 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 now. So even driving, like even driving here, I they can tell you like I, it was really hard because I'm like, please, like just put a little bit more gas on mm-hmm. there you know can we go like 46 miles an hour <laughs> like and you know it's living here has caused me to slow down a lot but then i can see where being up north i'm very fortunate to have experienced some things because now i can bring some things that i've learned here and you know mix the two worlds together so it's cool yeah well it's such a different thing because you know put even it'll take you a half hour to even get your car ready in January. Yes, in Michigan. Yes, I prefer it here now. I can tell yeah. you that. <laughs> I definitely prefer it. Here. Yeah. How different are the people? Ooh, they're a lot nicer here. Really? And and I don't mean like people up north are mean. We're just direct. Like mm-hmm. we we don't sugarcoat too much of anything. And down here, you guys are like really really nice, and like you guys make sure that people have just. Like the situation or the conversation is just smooth over before you actually deliver them what you want. Like, here's an example. Up north, if someone hits you, they'll say, stop hitting me. Down here, if someone hits you, they'll be like, could you not hit me? Like, that hurts. Maybe if you hit me on a Wednesday, I can heal because I have a bruise when you hit me on a Tuesday. Like, it's it's never like a direct thing. And, yeah. and uh, that's the difference. Just people are a lot nicer here i think (laughs) yeah uh so how can how can people find your blog yes you can go to www.kingdomovercastles.com that's where you can see the content uploaded regularly Uh, we're working on a store to get apparel in there so everything is just still new and we're still developing things you can search kingdom over castles anywhere via instagram um Facebook, and you'll see LA pop up. Um, you can obviously go to the website or on YouTube to see the videos and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, what part of Detroit were you from? 
Detroit. Okay, so I lived off Seven Mile and Outer Drive. Okay. Um, number one question I get is, do you know Eight Mile? Wasn't me Seven Mile? I think Mish is from Seven Mile too. The guy from The Strangers. Do you know The Strangers? I've heard of them. I don't I know, you like, know them, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's up? Okay. He grew up on Seven Mile. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yep. Seven Mile Outer Drive. That's where I'm born and raised, and we lived in that house up until we moved. Mm. So um, that's pretty cool. And uh, I don't know, cause you did you live in Detroit or were you just no? My, I had family that did, but I lived in uh, Western Michigan uh, around Grand Rapids. Okay. And Muskegon, okay. like that area. Yeah. So I have family. My both both sides of my parents were from there. And uh, I go back probably about once a year. Go okay. back and see them and stuff. My grandparents are still there, and aunts and uncles and all that stuff. Right. How often do you go back? So about once a year. But I try to make it to Detroit almost every time I go, either to go catch like a Tigers game or right. or something like that. Right. You know. Yeah, it's been oh, two years, three years since mm-hmm. I went home, mm-hmm. which is pretty bad. Yeah. Well, Detroit's a wild. It's it's just such a wild place right now because even downtown, where all the uh, you know, all the stadiums are within one, pretty much one block of mm-hmm. each other. The hockey stadium, baseball, football, all that. But even right around all those areas, I mean, there's just straight up abandoned buildings, like right next to historic theaters, you mm-hmm. know, like what is it? The Fox, that's right there. Yeah. Uh, all that kind of stuff. It's a really strange, it's a strange place right now. It It is, it's progressed a lot. Mm-hmm. When I went back home, I was pretty shocked. I mean, it looks like it has a Chicago with the LA mixture type of vibe. I mean, I was walking down the street and they had like couches outside and people sitting around fire pits, which never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they just put the Little Caesar Arena down there. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Pistons, they used to play at Arvin Hill Palace. Now they're downtown in the heart of the city. So I think they're trying to come back. Um, it's just going to take a process. Yeah. I mean, years of damage, you can't correct that in one year. Yeah. So it, it takes time, but. It's still a rough city. You still have to be careful. So well, oh yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> well, and just because it, it was just the automotive industry, right? It's not there anymore, right? Nor or music, yeah. Because for once, exactly. I mean, you know, that's where Motown, Motown and all the music yeah. came from, and it's not there anymore. Mm. So I don't know. I think they're. Um, I mean, you still have some people who are trying to keep it that music thing. Right now, the predominant music industry in Detroit that I'm aware of, I could be wrong, but it's gospel music. Okay, that's where a lot of the like Clark sisters and people live still currently to this day. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Michigan's a strange place. It is. Because that the whole area, I think everything was industry. It was all like my grandfather worked for Brunswick. Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh, and like an oil company or whatever, but like he worked for Brunswick. I, I think like made bowling pins. I think he sold bowling pins. Wow. <laughs> yeah that's cool <laughs> yeah and there's so that much so stuff cool. but it's but it's such a weird a weird thing because i mean you even take like flint right now like the fact that flint doesn't have clean water still just blows my mind it is like, ridiculous I, like how is that even a thing it is ridiculous did you see um there was an article printed recently that they found a building with like stacks of like just a whole bunch of cases of water mm-hmm. that were never like given out to the public yeah and it was in an abandoned building somewhere so i don't know if that's like a scam thing or what but it's it, not right. It's not. And it's been it's been about what, three, four years? It's been long, long enough. Longer yeah. Too it's, long. They even had a lifetime movie on it. Really? And I thought, how do you make a movie about something Lifetime like that? Lifetime's messing people up, man. Did you see that R. <laughs> Kelly? Did oh, you yeah. watch it? That's ridiculous. That, okay. <laughs> can we t- okay? <laughs> we can talk about whatever you want. So <laughs> R. Kelly. <laughs> like who knew? Okay, like people knew, but not like that. How is he still alive? I don't know. I don't. I just stumbled on it because um, I was going through, and I, I said, 
I didn't even know it was a thing. Like I didn't know it was coming out. And I saw Surviving R. Kelly, and I was like, this is going to be interesting. And within five minutes, I was like, this guy's a monster. It's sick. Yeah. It's really sick, yeah. especially when you think about, like, the music that everybody listened mm-hmm. to. And and then, like, the lyrics were always provocative. But you just didn't know that it was about children. Yeah. Like, that's sick. Yeah. Yeah, well, and then I, I don't, like, I love Chappelle. I think Chappelle is one of the top three stand-up comics ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, you know, in his show... He made it a joke, and people yes. didn't take it serious. Yes, I know. And but there's so much there's so much crazy stuff that I didn't know that happened. Like like some of these, uh, like the, I forget who it was, but one of the, she brought her little cousin in to him or something like that, and she knew Sparkle. She, That's her name. She knew that he was a pedophile. Crazy. And she still brought her. She still brought her. I think her niece or her cousin. And do you know who I'm mm-hmm. talking about? It was her niece. That's crazy. I saw that, and I thought. And then she said something about how she wasn't there, but then she got to the studio and I guess her cousin was there with, you know, already before her. Mm-hmm. And it made me wonder, like, okay, so you know that this guy's a pedophile, but what parent drops their, what, the girl had to be like 12, 13. Who does that? Who takes their daughter to a studio with the guy and just leaves? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Especially, with a grown man. Yeah. Okay. So, because this was my thought. In the beginning... You know, when R. Kelly was new, people didn't really know that he was a pedophile or whatnot. But even outside of the activity that he engaged in, the fact that he makes this provocative music, there's no way I could have been like 12 or 13 and telling my parents, like, I'm going to go play the drums for this this person who makes this type of music. They would be like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. I don't care how good you sing. Why do you need to be a, vac- a background vocalist for yeah. someone who makes music about sex? Yeah. Well, the craziest thing is that he had his wife two floors up, two stories up from him and had these kids downstairs, like in his like dungeon, yeah. like his waterfall dungeon. That's ridiculous. It's that, wild. That is sad. <laughs> there was one part where uh, I guess they, um, this couple was at an R. Kelly concert and then he came down and was like picking girls out of the audience to dance. And this father sits there and he goes, yeah, he came and he got my daughter and they went up on stage to dance and whatnot. And after the concert, it took her a while to come from backstage. And I thought, first of all, time out, because how did you let him take your daughter to dance in front of a whole crowd of people? And she's like a kid and he's a grown man. I don't care what concert we're at. I'm pretty sure you're not taking my daughter (laughs) to dance, to dance on her at a concert. Mm -hmm. I just the whole situation was pretty jacked up. It kind of shows how fame and money can can really cause some people to do some crazy things. Oh, yeah, the same thing judgment. with uh, with Finding Neverland. Have you seen that? No. Yet? Okay, I can't do it. Ooh. Did you watch it? I made it about forty five minutes through, and I had to turn it off. Yeah, don't do it. Is it true, y'all? Is it true? It's like, difficult. It's very very difficult to watch. It's yeah, it's bad, and I don't have like a. Uh, I'm empathetic, but I can right. normally make it through whatever, whatever right. horror movie or or anything like that. But about 45, Shane, did you yeah, watch I it? I think I got about 50, 45 minutes in. Oh, yeah. And then you start thinking about, man, these parents. Yeah, do you you like Cat Williams? Yes. Have you heard his bit on on it? No, I have. Michael Jackson. What did he say? He's like, he's like, let <laughs> Michael try to touch one of my kids, coming back smelling like booty hole. Yeah. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> Seriously, that's like, there's no way. He's and he's like, no, 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 Mister Jackson. <laughs> like, that's what he was saying. Like his kids would be, you know. But I just can't. It it breaks my heart because now I'm starting to backtrack. Like, okay, so who else is doing something mm. that we don't know? Like, we already knew Hollywood was shady and had weird like ways of doing things and secrets. But geez, like, yeah, 
And Michael Jackson obviously has been on trial for this before, but yeah, is it real? But at the same time, the parents were there. Like the parents would go stay and just let them run off with their kids, and like they had, um, they had secret. Uh, secret ways to hold hands so they could tell each other when they were thinking about each other sexually. Like if they would scratch each other's hands, like the little kid and Michael, that's how they were able to say that they were having sexual desires towards each other without moms that and dads and other people finding out. It's deeply disturbing. That is sick. Like if I can, I don't know how I'm going to do it because I want to. I want to watch the rest of it, but I couldn't at that time. Right. It's almost one of those things. Like should I or shouldn't I? I? Look, I sat there and I was about to press play, but I. I haven't even digested R. Kelly. Like, mm-hmm. what? And now, <laughs> like, I'm still trying to put together how he's, first of all, still alive. And now they're talking about Michael Jackson. And obviously, you know, there's so many things about Michael. But what made me take it serious is when Oprah did the interview. Mm-hmm. I was like, if Oprah Winfrey's doing the interview, then something is up. Yeah, and for sure. Yeah, that's, I didn't watch the Oprah interview yet. I it's didn't do anything. Though. I can't do anything. Because she was catching flack for even doing that, which I mean, yeah, this situation, the reason it's hard for me also is because he's dead. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, we don't have a right to tell a person who's been sexually abused when to come out and when to come forward. Like, why didn't you come sooner? But I just it's hard because he's not here to, I don't know, defend himself or to tell his side or to confess to it. Not that he ever probably would, but it's just. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. Well, I don't know. If there's ever been a star that that had the power that he had. It was like he, there was nothing like him. That's true. In the music, I mean, may, in music, I mean, maybe like maybe like an Elvis or, or the Beatles or mm-hmm. something like that, but nothing like Michael Jackson. Yeah. It, it was an anomaly at the time. It, it had never been. It had never been done. So just, to, I mean, just to have he was gonna. Um, the, the whole point of Neverland Ranch was basically for him to build his own Disney. Right. It was like the original thought process. Yeah, and I, because I used to think that that was weird, but then like the more I looked into Michael Jackson's life, I kind of understood in a way because I'm like, okay, this guy didn't really have a childhood; he missed mm-hmm. out on some stuff. But it is weird that you want to be around kids like that mm-hmm. and have like sleepovers and stuff. I mean, you know, he's talking about the kids being sick or whatnot, but that still was kind of like, yeah, wild. yeah. What kind of music do you listen to? All kinds. Yeah, all kinds. What'd of you music. listen to on the way here? Um, jazz, smooth jazz. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right on. Anyone in particular, or did you just like put it on? Uh, I just put it on. But yeah. my top favorite jazz players are Dave Cos. Uh, you can't go wrong with Kenny G. Mm-hmm. Uh, Candy Dolfer. She's amazing, and a lot of people don't even know like how good she is. She's amazing, and um, Wayman Tidsdale is good. I can go on for hours. Yeah, that, and you yeah. play what all do you play? You play drums and what else? Just you the probably... drums. A lot yeah. of my friends are trying to get me to branch into other instruments, but I mean, I. Do you still play? Do you play with anyone here in town? Or? I do. I play at church okay. all the time. Actually, I played last night, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's that's always been my thing since I was two. Yep. Yeah, right on. Yeah, beating on furniture and everything. So. Yeah, you <laughs> start a, if you ever start a band, let me know. Okay, cool. <laughs> For sure. I don't know if I will, but I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll, I have so many invitations to be in other bands. I'm like, uh, yeah, KLC, that's what I call Kingdom Over the Castles. That's starting to keep me busy, so I don't really mm-hmm. have too much time to... Do any other What's extra up? things? Yeah, we oh, did. at the showcase. Are are any of those coming up? Yeah, no showcase. No. Yeah, we did do that showcase. That was pretty. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we'll talk after this. Cool. That was pretty. Okay, just to touch on that showcase, that was 
pretty awesome because we were playing in like a bar in a club and, and like we're here with this Christian music. And I'm like, oh, this is not. Because even when we were setting up, some people were like, I don't know. How are y'all going to do? So as a musician, you know, you're always like, you already kind of show up, you know, confident. But that was kind of like a, a test. Well, yeah, especially. Yeah. I mean, that's tough to do. That's tough to do, too. We had last week we, uh, we had Dave Hope on here. Uh, Dave Hope played uh, bass in the band Kansas. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, they wrote, like, Dust in the Wind and all that stuff. Cool. Um, and after he left Kansas because he had, uh, I think, what he called a, a divine intervention and mm-hmm. started a new band, but they still wanted to play the clubs, but they were a Christian band. Right. So they would go play these bars and clubs, and, like, in between sets, he'd try to have a sermon, and he said it was the wildest thing you'd ever seen because you're at a place where people are drinking partying having a good time it's this dude from kansas who's written these monster hits right sold 35 million albums worldwide and now he's in this little club uh you know playing christian music but then also trying to like do sermons and stuff while people are consuming mass amounts of alcohol right and be you know being in the club it's a very strange position to be in that's a that's a level of ministry that i don't think the world is ready for honestly <laughs> I, I don't because i mean the misconception is that christians should stay in the church and christians should stay around christians but really we're not reaching anybody if we don't break those barriers and so like when we did that show it was pretty cool but it was it was a moment where you're like we are so far out of our element mm-hmm. like there's <laughs> well it can, it can be damaging sometimes too like it can, it, you can do more to turn those people off than than actually bring them in if yeah. that makes sense. I think the best thing to do in that situation is to to love people, mm. to love them where they are. You don't have to accept everything that a person does to love them, but just to love them where they are and to show people the ability to relate. And that's back on why I like the art so much and in, in, in writing all this stuff is because people are more inclined to listen and, and to intake art. Art is easy to experience sometime versus mm-hmm. me sitting here talking to you if I can show you something and then you can pinpoint where you relate now we have this relationship developing mm-hmm. and it's easier to communicate with you that way yeah so yeah man uh, to be to be fair and just honest with you normally on this podcast we discuss very little religion and politics mm-hmm. just because it can be so divisive right uh, but but since that's you know what you do and what you're involved in I'd like to ask you a couple questions based on that sure um what's your take on this whole th- this whole movement that um, th- that God, you know, basically uh, chose Donald Trump to be president, and uh, and the reflection on that. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, I've heard that. Before. Like, uh, and and also how, like how these. I don't want to say the left or the right, but how the right. the ultra conservative right has basically hijacked and used religion as a, a I'd say as a weapon in the political atmosphere. Um, and all that because I was brought up in the church as well. I was brought up in a Baptist church my whole life. I, right. I, I sang in church. Uh, I played in praise bands right. and, and all that kind of stuff. And from what I was taught and from a, a lot of the things uh, that I was taught through Christ, it doesn't quite add up when I look at the example that some of the people are using with our current president. And I was right. wondering how, kind of how we do that. And also, do you think that that's damaging uh, to, to the Bible? Um, it can be damaging. And, and even Christ's word. You know, right. It can be damaging, but that's why we have to know the word for ourselves. And honestly, a lot of people will use religion to justify what they want to do or or the outcome that they want to see. Um, But that's why you have to start developing a relationship with God. Like, for example, if we're friends 
and we have this relationship. An outsider can come to me and they'll try to tell me like, oh, he said this or, you know, the whatever it means to you podcast said this about you and blah, blah, blah. And you can say that all you want. But because I have a relationship with these people, I can go to them for myself. Um, as far as politics and because, unfortunately, there is a lot of division and, and I've heard people say that that's God's man in office. Um, we don't know what necessarily who God appointed to be in the office. But I can tell you this. Nothing can happen outside of God's will. For example, like if God did not want Donald Trump to be in office, I don't believe he would be in office. I don't, I'm not saying that I am for necessarily everything that's happening, but sometimes I think people try to use God as an excuse or as a as a way to a catalyst, kind of, right? As a way to kind of force people to side with them. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because we can flip that same thing and say, like, God wanted uh, 9-11 to happen. God wanted tragedy to happen. Well, you know, at the end of the day, how can I, how can I put this in good words? At the end of the day, um, when it comes to stuff like that, like presidential elections or, or, or tragedy, we can do some stuff, too. And sometimes we try to make it seem like... Uh, I'm trying to word it correctly. I'm trying to say it how I see it. We can make it seem like God is um, doing all these things or someone else can make it seem like God is doing all these things. And if you're not supporting this presidential campaign or if you're not supporting this stance, then you're outside of God's will. That's not always the case. That's not always the case. Mm. I don't believe that that's true. Yeah. How do you, um, of, co- of course, you know, you have your own ministry. Right. Is that safe to say? Right. Yes. Sir. Yeah. Kingdom Over Castle is your yes. own ministry. Uh, how do you co- how do you compartmentalize uh, some of that stuff as to, you know, the word of God, the Bible with, uh, you know, something as simple as if you wear mixed fibers, you should be put to death. If you shave your face, like a lot of the old uh, a lot of the old reasons why God used to call for killing other people. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you choose? How, how do people choose which parts of the Bible to still follow and which ones to to dismiss? Like, why do why do people choose to like as far as like like cherry pick? Right. That's another method. I think I feel like that's a means of control. For example, I was talking to a friend the other day and I was inviting them to the movies. And they were like, oh, no, we don't go to the movies. And I was like, why? And they said, because what movie are you going to see? Like, I don't even I don't even remember what the movie was. I think it was the um, it wasn't us. But what's the other one? It's it's some movie that's out. Okay. And I was trying to get them to go. And they were like, no, I don't want to go see that. I can't go to the movies or whatnot because. You know, God doesn't want me to. God doesn't want. And I was like, okay. And they were like, you know, I, I don't I don't go at all because if God comes back, I don't want to be in a movie theater. And I had to stop them. And I said, do you believe that God has all power? And they said, yeah. I said, do you believe that God can be anywhere? And they said, yeah. I said, so you don't believe that he can come into movies and get you if he was to come back during the movie? And then I asked, like, well, what's the difference between you going to the movie theater and watching it at home? Like, what? How do you combat that? You know, how do you... Explain that. That seems a little loony. It's it's for them not to want to go to the movies. But a lot of it of is the religion part. A lot of yeah. it is we take what someone else said, and instead of developing the relationship with God ourselves, we run with what they said, and then we miss out on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so there are some people who cherry pick. And then I also think that God definitely does have certain boundaries for people. Like, for instance, I'm not a drinker. 
I never have been. But I'm not going to go and tell someone like, oh, you can't drink or you'll go to hell. That's just my thing. God has me there. You know what I'm saying? God tells us different things because maybe I shouldn't drink because I'll go too far with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Or maybe you shouldn't listen to secular music because you'll go too far with it. That's just between you and God. And you always have to line it up with the word, of course. But we can't make God's word for us his word for someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever do you struggle? Struggle with? With your faith. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, you don't have, so you never have, like, bouts. Doubts that God is real? No, but like, well, doubts or bouts with it. No. I, it, it is, for me, no, because my whole life is, is definitely, I would say, defined by faith. I mean, I wasn't even supposed to be here. Like, they legit yeah, Why told, do you say that? They told my parents, abort me. Okay. They were like, you need to abort this kid because he'll never walk or talk in his life. And, um... I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm doing that. But and then there's just different things and experiences that I've had where I knew it was God. So even in moments where it could be doubt, I always relate back to that. Mm. That's that relationship kicking in. Yeah. Yeah. Why would they why, why would they say that you weren't gonna be able to walk and talk? Right. If you don't mind me asking. I don't you know. No, that's fine. Um, I'm not quite I'm not 100 percent sure. But there was some complications with my mother's pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, you know, if you want to go through with this obviously you'll you'll probably die or he will be a vegetable he will not be able to walk he will not be able to talk um he'll be missing fingers or toes or whatnot yeah and uh yeah yeah and then when i was born i did i flatlined um it was uh i don't i mean i'm not gonna remember how old i was yeah (laughs) but yeah my my, a few days yeah my father came in and he said he found me in the crib and i was blue in the face Mm -hmm. and they went to the hospital and they couldn't find a vein and god was speaking to him when he was praying and he said give him to me and my father was reluctant at first because he thought like you're not taking my only son it took me six years to have a son and and um, i was the oldest it's our only kid and he kept saying give him to me and when he finally did they found the vein and that's when you know i was able to breathe again. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, they revived yeah. you. So I don't have. You I don't have all your fingers and toes. Yes, you're, t- you're 10 I have 10? everything. Ten and ten. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, you talking. seem you seem very bright. So, Thank you. You know. Well, well, look, look. If you're right, if you're writing a blog and you're putting together your own musical, you're doing things, and that's yeah. the that's the main thing, man. Um, and that's what everyone lacks, man. Especially with social media and everything, you see all the time. People, t- all, all people do is talk. Yes. They do this. They yes. do that, and they don't do shit. Yeah. Okay. Now you're actually putting it into action, and you're actually doing things. Yeah. That alone, that puts you that puts you ahead of seventy five percent of the population. Yeah, it's it's hard. You know? It's hard. It's easy to talk about something, but to actually like do it mm-hmm. is difficult. Like, yeah. well, that's why you don't talk about it unless you're doing it. That's right. And and when you do stuff, you have to, especially in ministry. I'll tell anybody this until there's no breath in my body. You have to expect there to be some type of pushback. Mm-hmm. So, like recently, I'll share this. Um, when I started, after I finished the script, I knew it was powerful. I knew it would help people, and I knew that there would be pushback somewhere. I had a meeting with the cast and the team, and I was telling them, like, you know, we're gonna start rehearsals on Sundays. And I've been in the medical field for three and a half years, almost four years. I knew that time was coming to an end because I knew that that wasn't necessarily lining up with my purpose or whatnot. So I go to work. I just accepted this new position. Mind you, I knew it was time to end this thing. I just didn't know when that would happen. I go to work. My boss is like, I need you to start coming in on Sundays. And I thought, why? Because I've never worked Sundays in the three and a half years that I've been here. 
And then I'm like, I just announced to this team that we're going to start rehearsal for this production. And so she goes, well, I need you to come in, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like, this is your job and, and we're depending on you. And so long story short, I ended up quitting. Mm. I had to quit. And I knew that that time was coming, but it was definitely a leap of faith. And it was frustrating because I was like, I'm depending on this job to fund what it is that I have to do. But the lesson in all that is whenever God is calling you to do something and whenever you're doing something for a purpose that's greater than yourself, you don't necessarily have to fight to keep it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard work, but you sometimes we get in our own way because we think we have to be the provider for something that God called us to do when that's not the case. So I quit the job um, and I'm standing there and I'm going, okay, I have to fund this project. I kid you not. Things worked out in a way that I could have never imagined. I mean, almost better than what I could have done on my own. And, and the lesson in that was, you know, when God, and it was funny because, you know, we just talked about how my dad said, you know, God told him to give him, give me to him and whatever. I felt like God did that with me. Like, give me back Kingdom Over Castles. Give me back this production. And I remember I was praying over the script and I'm like, all right, Lord, you gave this to me. You put this on my heart. You got to do it. And man, like college is donated, costumes, props are built, things are paid for, and it's all God. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And and that's and that's a life general. I know a lot of people are not necessarily religious or whatever, but one of the things that I always tell people is never be scared to make a move. If there's something on your heart, if there's a dream that you have, Time is ticking. Time is wasting. And a lot of times we talk about doing things and we never move. And the reason we don't move is because we feel like we don't see how it's going to work out. But if you just be bold enough to actually go for it, it'll work every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Action. Yeah. Action. Action for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Um, that's, uh, you know, I've had bouts with that my, my entire life. And that's really? really one of the cool things that this podcast has done for me as well is because if, if a lot of times if I say something, like I'll go back and like listen every now and then I'll go back and listen to the pot, the podcast right. that I did. And I'll be like, Oh, well I said it, I got to do it now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's a really good way to, this is for me, this has turned into a tool for me to hold myself accountable as well, mm -hmm. because I'll sit here and talk about ideas with people and then I'll re-listen to them and be like, Oh, okay, well, yeah, I said it out loud now I got to do it. Yeah. You know? So it, that's a good, it's a good mentality to have that, that way too, man. Um, what, what did you do in the medical field? I did a little bit of everything. I started as a CNA, then I went into phlebotomy, and then I went into um, working with drugs. Phlebotomy? Yeah, phlebotomy. What like is that? Drawing blood. Oh. It's just a fancy way to say it. I just wanted to sound intelligent. On finding <laughs> finding yeah. veins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, finding veins, basically. Um, <laughs> and then I started doing, uh, we had like this, uh, like watching Baker Act patients and people who were on drugs really bad. Oh. And that was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Mm -hmm. Because these are people who society normally kicks to the side. Mm -hmm. But they have a story and they have a great like story to tell. And you can learn a lot from them. And um, I mean, I've been in situations where I've seen people wanting to commit suicide. Uh, I've had to talk someone out of committing suicide while in the act, which was very scary. But mm -hmm. it was a great experience. Yeah. I don't regret it at all. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thankfully, you were there. I know in that moment. It was crazy, and the only reason why I could help them is because I'd been there before. Yeah, yeah. So it was really crazy. Yeah. Well, cool, man. What else? Anything um, else you want to talk about? Yes, I have a question. Okay, because I okay. want to do a podcast too, and okay. I do listen to you guys. What What was the inspiration for this for you guys? Uh, 
Well, I I did a podcast probably three years ago that was just me and a couple of my buddies goofing around, mm-hmm. and I, I stopped doing that for about a year and kind of regrouped and started talking to Shane about this idea that I had, and it was out of necessity for me because I spent uh, like four to five years of my the last four to five years of my life taking care of other people's artistic visions. Right. Managing artists, booking artists. Right. So and I and I grew up an artist. I sang, you know, I wrote my own music, all that kind of stuff. Well when I started booking bands and managing bands, I completely quit playing music. I completely quit writing because all of my time was dedicated to that. Right. So I needed something I needed something that number one wouldn't take up a ton of my time. I can do this a couple hours a week, you know? Right. Uh, so I needed something like that. But also I think talking to people, this is something that we don't do anymore. Yeah. Like, when's the last time you put your phone down, left it somewhere else, and just sat with someone, you know, not at a bar That's or true. out somewhere, just you and another person in a room talking to each other? That's true. Especially someone you don't even know. Mm-hmm. Someone that you don't know that you might have several things in common with. Right. So my thought process was, I know enough people that have a compelling story to tell. And right. it's just like, uh, I compare it to, and people who listen to this podcast are probably rolling their eyes right now because I've said this about five times, but it's like your style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like like Shane, I'm, I might think that Shane's wearing a dope hoodie right now, but I think I might think his hat and his beard is trash. Mm-hmm. All right? But I might say, I'm going to get a hoodie like that, and I'm going to wear that hoodie. And then I might see your T-shirt and be mm-hmm. like, I like that T-shirt. Well, I like to compare that to, that's how you build your own style. Right. Like, you don't just say, Oh, I'm going to dress this way. You see other things that you like about other people and comprise that to make your own style. Right. I think we can do that with with talking to other humans as well to make yourself a better, more complete person or how you'd like to be. Right. So I have these people come on here who have compelling stories to tell. And if I can take one or two things from them, either their story or the way they've applied something to an idea or maybe they said something that stuck with me that I can apply to my life right now mm-hmm. – I, I can become a more complete person as well. And hopefully the listeners who listen to this podcast can take some of that as well. So basically, my job is to pull information from you, good stories, uh, how you did what you did, and maybe inspire other people to do the same. Or maybe follow what they want to do. Or right. maybe, like we've said, action two or three times in this episode already. Maybe maybe convince them to stop just talking about things. Stop just having these ideas. Get out and do them. We, we have all the tools to do that now. It's true. There's no reason you shouldn't have to. If you're doing a job you hate, quit. Yes. Don't do it anymore. Yes. You're wasting time. Don't do it. Or do your job and start doing your other thing that you really want to do, and Find eventually you'll start making a little bit of money from that so you can work your other job a little less. That's how I did it with becoming a booking agent. You know, mm-hmm. I was bartending six nights a week, and within like a month, I only had to bartend four times a week. And then within six months, I didn't have to bartend anymore at all because the income that I was making from being a booking agent, what I really wanted to do right. was now, sup- that's how I lived now. It was supplementing my life and I didn't have to bartend anymore. I got out of the bar. That's cool. You know, so that that's really kind of, you know, the, the purpose of this, it's for us to have fun. Shane and I have a, a lot of fun doing this, but it's also to, to give people a platform to elevate them and also maybe for people to learn and, and take something from as well. Yeah, I enjoy it. I listen to it. When you, when you guys sent me the email, I was like, oh, let me check this out. Yeah. Because I'm big. I'm like, podcasts are growing on me. Mm-hmm. And I do like it. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Some some episodes are more for some people than other. You know, right. there's been times when we we'll, every now and then we'll come in here and we'll have a few drinks and 
We'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk some nonsense, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but for the most part, every episode's different, and you know, hopefully, some people dig it, and yeah, um, it's I, catching on. People are listening. I so. like it because it's not like starchy. You're not like, and today we have, you know, like it's really chill. It sounds yeah. like we're in a living room just having a good time talking. Yeah, well, th- and that's what I tell everyone yeah, too. Okay. They're like, they're like, I'll be in there for the interview, and I'm like, okay, first off, it's not, not an, an interview, interview. right? <laughs> we're, we're, we're having a conversation, right? You I know? like that. I like yeah. that. That's even what I tried to do when I was blogging. I never wanted to. I never wanted it to feel like I was talking at a person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you can feel fussed at, and I didn't want people to feel like that. I wanted to just talk. And oh tell yeah, because they'll, they'll quit reading. Right. I wanted <laughs> to just tell my truth. Like yeah. this is this is how I feel. I don't know if you agree or not, but this mm-hmm. is me. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for coming in. One more time. How can people get tickets to to your event? Yeah. So the first one is free. You just show up at four two eight Racetrack Road Northeast. That is Gateway City Church on Saturday night, April twentieth, and it is completely free. So you just want to show up. The doors are open at 5.30, so you guys can get a good seat. Um, And then to keep in contact with the movement in general, you just go to www.kingdomovercastles.com. Or if you just find me on Facebook at Kingdom Over Castles, you'll see LA pop up and you'll be connected to everything. But typing that in on any platform should get you connected to us. Cool. And it really should because that's our name. So (laughs) I hope nobody has tried to take that. But they didn't. Yeah. Well, great, man. Thanks for uh, giving us some of your time and coming in. Thank you so much for having me. This is cool. For sure. Thanks, dude. All right, everyone. That's it. Today's episode is brought to you by Sand Jam Fest. You can get your tickets at sandjamfest.com. Go see Third Eye Blind, The Revivalists, Matt and Kim, Kings of Leon, bunch of other really great bands. Get your tickets at sandjamfest.com. Also, very quickly, thank you to everyone who made it out to Bojams this year. The weather threw us a couple curveballs all day long, but uh, we still, we still had some people come out, and uh, we definitely appreciate that. So thank you, everyone, and thank you for listening. My heart was always telling me how I felt. My car was always telling me to put on my seatbelt. The stop sign is always telling me to stop. And half a mile later, I get the same thing from that cop. The world is always telling me what to do. Don't hold your breath until your face turns blue. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't do crack cocaine. Don't jump without a parachute out of a plane. Don't drink your craft beers through your plastic straws. Don't support gun rights or gun control laws. Don't go to a funeral pretending you're dead. Don't name your kid Richard if your last name's Head. Don't go up in the dirigible or down with the ship. Don't request wagon wheel if you're not gonna tip. There's a whole lot of don'ts, but there's one big dude. Listen to this podcast, whatever it means to you.